morning, everyone. This morning's reading is from Mark 11, verses 11 to 14, and then 20 to 24. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple area. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing from a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. As they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. Thank you. Well, praise God. We're ready to receive from God today. I am expecting Him to speak to us. And I have found that even uh, in the longest, most boring sermons, if we're expecting to hear from God, He'll speak to us. So there's hope for us today. <laughs> All right, we have, uh, we've started a series, The Righteous Shall Live by Their Faith. And, um, you know, Paul wrote to the, to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. He said he's delighted or he's joyful that they are bounding in love and that they are increasing greatly in their faith. So the Smith Wigglesworth coined the phrase, I believe, and coined it, having an ever-increasing faith. And I believe for us this year, Redeemer Coast, we're going to have an ever-increasing faith. So we're laying foundations for that. And just like Paul was excited that the Thessalonians were in greatly increasing in their faith, I believe that we are going to greatly increase in our faith. Say that with me. I will, I will increase, increase greatly in my faith. Praise God. So we can say that too. So uh, last week we touched on um, on uh, what it means to live by faith. And we the reference down there was from Habakkuk 2.4. And in Habakkuk 2, in Habakkuk, Habakkuk is a kind of a minor Old Testament prophet and a little bit like... Uh, some of the other prophets, he was laying his complaints out to God about what's happening with the Assyrians and the Babylonians and why this and why that. And similarly to how, similarly to how uh, God spoke to Job, God said to Habakkuk, sit down, I'm going to tell you how it works. And, and Job was, uh, Habakkuk was asking honest questions. And he said, sit down, I'm going to ask, I'm going to tell you how it works. He said the prideful, the Syrians, the Babylonians, those that are going their own way, their soul, their heart will never be right within them. But the righteous will live by their faith. 
And that's kind of got a double meaning. The, the righteous are going to find life by their faith. And they're going to live their everyday life by their faith. And that one uh, verse, Habakkuk 2.4, the second part of it, from a minor prophet became the foundation of New Testament theology, New Testament beliefs. There was a Jewish rabbi that said uh, Moses gave so many hundreds of laws and so many hundreds of good commandments and I think David broke it down to 15 and Isaiah broke it down to 6 but Habakkuk summarized it in one. The righteous shall live by their faith. And from that verse, most of the what we call Pauline theology, but most of the New Testament epistles are based on that. The whole book of Romans was written on that. It's mentioned again in, in, in Galatians 3. It's referred to in Hebrews a number of times, referred to in James. The righteous shall live by their faith. So we will live by our faith. And uh, it, it all refers to in Romans, Paul says in Romans on a slightly different topic. He says, who is the potter, who is the clay to tell the potter how things work? And uh, we, religion gets a little bit like that. We tell God how we think miracles should happen. Or we tell God how, how, who should be blessed and who shouldn't be blessed. Or who should have this life that he's talking about. But God has says the righteous will find life by their faith. It's his idea. And who are we to say that it should be the good people? Or who are we to say it should be this person? He has said who will find life. The righteous shall live by their faith, so it will behove us. Is that a word, behove? Yes. It would behove us. It sounds very spiritual. <laughs> it would behove us. It would behove us to listen to the author of this covenant that we have yes. to see how he operates. Yes. Fair enough? Uh, when Linda and I first met, and she, I'm glad that we finally got her back into Sunday school because then I can tell some really wild stories. <laughs> I promise to delete it from the video. Right. So when we first uh, when we first dated, we had an extensive period of dating. It's seven days, and uh, we don't want to rush into these things. Uh, I drove a Saab 99. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that was back then. Like you find one. So they, well, those of you, the ignorant people amongst us, if you can imagine a Volvo crossed with a Porsche. Uh, it's a Saab 99. And, but she said she took one look at it when she was being more honest later. She said, you poor thing. But I thought it was beautiful. It was a beautiful mushroom pink. And, and Saabs were made by a company that also made jet, jet, jet fighters. And they used to put things, you know, it's like you drive foreign cars and, and you know, windscreen wipers on the wrong side and all that sort of stuff. But they put their ignition key down here just beside the handbrake. So you got in with the ignition key and, and you had to lean down there to turn it on. And so I would have a great joy offering to have people. I said, you can drive my Saab if you can start it. Here's the keys. They give them the key and they think, look for these ignition things. Like, That's why you never got to drive it. You're looking for them. And they couldn't see it. It was down here beside the handbrake. And I said that to illustrate really the designer of the system, the designer of the car, the designer of our covenant lays out the conditions by which we might find life. He said, the righteous shall find life through faith. And I just want to recap last week a little bit. Have you got those scriptures? We've got uh, Ephesians 2.8. Recap last week a few things because we laid the foundation of 
what that looks like quickly in the new tut in the new covenant. You getting it? Ephesians 2 8, we can probably say that off by heart, can't we? It says, For it is by grace that we are saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. The word through there means it's the channel. It's the it's is the on one hand there's the blessing of God. For that to come to you, it must come through faith. There's no other way. There's no other way that you can receive any grace from God but through faith. It's the channel. So when the wise men were going back to their home country, you remember it said they went a different route. They went through a different route to get back to their home country. And then we touched on really what grace means very quickly. But if you got John, uh, if you just look at John 1.16, if you can throw that up there. It says, from, from his... get it? I've got them written down there so you can... Alright, well my turn for John, very good. Of his fullness we have all received, now the next one is Romans 1.17 okay? Of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace now when it talks about fullness there and the in, in the original Hebrew and Greek, they had, they're very pictorial in their, in their words. It, 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 the picture there is of a ship laden with parcels, laden with treasures, laden with things it's bringing from a foreign country. It's loaded down and the ship arrives at the dock and they start to unload. That's what the word fullness means. It literally is a picture of this ship arriving. So of his, from his ship, everything he has, he drives it out our port and he loads, he unloads it in front of us. It says grace upon grace. And it, that, that can be uh, translated graces stacked upon graces. So he, he came to earth and he died for us and he provided all these things and he, 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 he unloaded forgiveness and put it down there off the port and we're standing there looking, what's coming out next? What's coming off this place? I'm going to unload. And he gets, he unloads some righteousness. He says, because I've forgiven you, I'm going to make you right with me. And he puts that down. What's the next thing coming off this boat? He said, the next thing coming off this boat is access to the Father. Yeah. I'm going to give you access to the Father. Because you're forgiven and you're made righteous, you've got unfettered access to the Father. That's pretty good. Surely this boat can't anything, anything more than that. Where it says, graces stacked None of these things we've earned, none of these things we've deserved. It's grace stacked upon grace, and now we've got access to the. And what, what better could we have? He said, now that you've been forgiven, now that you've been made righteous, now that you've got access to the Father, I'm going to give you some authority. I'm going to give you the authority that is in my name. All authority given unto me. Go ye therefore, and the next grace was stacked on it. And they said, authority to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, to prosper, to go into the world and make them my disciples. And he's kept stacking graces upon graces upon graces of his fullness, from the fullness of what his God and his ship, he Paul stacked on those graces. And Corinthians said, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. They're all for us. Stacked on. But in one in Romans 1.17, he uses a different expression. Beautiful. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, 
Say it with me. The righteous shall live by their faith. So in the gospel, the righteousness of God and His abundant provision is revealed to us from faith to faith. Now that's a different. You've got grace upon grace, but you've got faith to faith. And what that means is that it's the first step is faith for salvation. And so it's grace that leads, sorry, faith that leads to more faith, that leads to more faith, that leads to more faith. And so that's why we've got an ever increasing faith. Because once we can believe God for forgiveness, then we're in a place where our faith can grow and we can believe God for righteousness. And once we can believe God for righteousness, our faith grows and we can believe to have bold access to the Father. This is getting good. It's faith leading to faith. And then we can we can learn then about the authority that we have. But if you don't have faith for forgiveness, you're not going to have faith for righteousness. And then you're not going to have faith for access to the Father. You can't go before the Father if you don't know how righteous you are. And once you go righteousness, you, you go access to the Father. If you don't know that you've got unfettered access to Him, how are you going to ask anything in it with authority and confidence? And so faith leading to faith leads. So faith is progressive. So on one hand, we have the accomplished, finished work of the gospel done for us. We're never going to, in God's eyes, we're never going to be more forgiven than what? He's not going to go out and re-die re for us. All right? Will be appropriated by faith. So then it would behove us. I think it would behove us. You think it would behove us? It would behove us then to work out what Jesus meant when he said faith. I think really, if we're going to be looking for something, we need to look for what, what this word faith means. All right? So in Mark 11, which we have so wonderfully read, very well done. Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. He says, starts with, have faith in God. For if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast and see, do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say shall come to pass you, shall have whatsoever you say. Therefore, whenever you ask anything, ask or pray anything, believe therefore that you have received it, you shall have what you ask for. We got that? Can you say it backwards? He starts with, have faith in God. And the, it, it, that can mean have faith like God has faith or have faith uh, in the same way that God has faith. And in, in extended faith that comes from God, because we all, when we read the Word, we get a, an element of faith. But have faith like God has it. And then he goes on to describe how God operates faith. And people say, well, you can't do that. God does that. God's God who speaks, calls things that be not just as well. We don't have the right. No, Jesus said, have faith, operate in faith, how God operates in faith. Yeah. So I'd like to know what faith is. I don't mind starting, because faith, like every topic, has the A, B, C's and D's. A, B, C's of faith is what faith is, how it comes, how to use it. Yeah. I'd like to find out what it is. I have, sometimes my wife rearranges kitchen drawers and things that you had well-worn paths to have moved. And, and, and I have to ask her, where, 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 where are the pots? Or where's this particular piece of Tupperware? And she has the audacity to say, in the drawer. And I'm standing there in our kitchen, which is not a big kitchen, but there's probably at least 20 drawers. 
Okay, darling, it's in the drawer. Which drawer? Right, and then she's going to tell me, it's in that drawer. If we don't know what faith is, under the time of testing or when we're praying, we won't know whether we have it so we can apply it. True? We won't know it. And, you know, there's been a lot of expressions going around about faith. I mean, I mean, hey, I'm a Pentecostal. They've got all sorts of weird expressions. About faith is the arm of God. I'm a man reaching into heaven to pull down the promises of God. So Jesus said, have faith in God. So I'm standing there looking. Where's this hand? Where's this hand? Gone up in heaven. You know, or faith is all these sorts of things. I think it must be simple. I mean, if Jesus was to get frustrated for people because they didn't have faith, like he's not a he's his yoke is easy. It I figure it's got to be a lot simpler than what we think it is. Really, if he's to to say if he's to marvel at their unbelief, then he was thinking and experiencing something about faith that's different than what we do, and he's expecting it to be easy. It's always a battle, but the battle is with your flesh, but we'll get on to that later. So what is faith? Let's find out what what Jesus thought it was. We'll ask, how about we ask his opinion? Is that fair enough? Okay, so we will. If you have your Bibles with you, we will look at Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. And we'll just see that, and then we'll look at an example of what he used, and then we'll look at Paul. And Jesus answered them saying, have faith faith in God. What's the topic? What's the noun? What's the subject? Is this too literary? It's faith. It's not it's the subject is faith. Have faith in God. And faith here is a noun. Not a verb. It's a noun. Have faith in God. Next verse. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be taken out and cast from the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes. Well, hang on. I thought the topic was faith and he's changed it now to believes now believes is a verb but believes is the action of acting upon what you believe to be true I say to you who do not doubt your heart but, who want, but believe what you say to happen it will be granted to them therefore next verse I say to you all things for which you pray and ask, believe. I started to think perhaps he was a little bit confused because maybe they translated it wrong because well, he's starting with faith and now he's saying what you believe. And he's flipped He's flipped the topic. So I, I cheated. You don't mind if I cheat a little bit with my theology? Is that all right? No, it's fine. <laughs> I cheated. I went to what's called a Bible dictionary. And I opened it, it's profound, I know, to the word faith, and not just an ordinary Bible dictionary, because I was thinking faith is the hand of God that reaches from man to heaven and brings down all these promises. I was thinking that, all right? And I'm thinking, surely I'm gonna open Vine's expository, expanded expository dictionary, and it's gonna say faith. Faith is the hand of God which reaches up to heaven and takes hold of the promises of God and brings it down. But you know what it said? It said, faith is what you believe. It says, faith is a conviction. Faith is a firm conviction. And the implication it says is, faith is a firm conviction that you're prepared to act on. 
Faith is an assurance, he said, of what you believe to be true. So if that's the case, then we're going to see this in the life of Jesus in operation, aren't we? Yeah. All right? Faith is a conviction. That means to me that if I'm looking for faith in my kitchen, all right, with 20 cupboards, there's a lot of things. I could go over here and I could say, have I been good enough? And have I got faith? Have I, have I heard this? Have I been good enough? You're not going to find faith in there. Or I could go over to, to how I'm feeling today. Like, do I feel confident? Am I feeling good? Am I feeling spiritual? Am I feeling, do I feel like God's going to bless me today? I could look in this cupboard of feelings and it's got, it's got feelings written on it. You know, it, it, that's the cupboard where the base never matches up with the lid. That's that cupboard. That's where your feelings, you know, you ever notice that? You, ate, you can be feeling good, you open that drawer, there's no lids, there's bases there, and your feelings can run rampant. That's that cupboard. We can look in that, we can say, how am I feeling? Do I feel like I've got it? Do I feel like, do you feel like you've got the answer to this prayer? Do you feel, do you feel like God's moved? Have you felt him? And you can go there and you can look at it and you go, but it's not in there because Jesus didn't say, uh, if you have faith in God, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and feel like it's going to happen. Did you notice he didn't say that? In fact, it had nothing to do with it. He said, if you have faith in God, for, I'm sure sometimes God acts on our behalf and he doesn't feel like acting on our behalf. Well, I don't know, but I'm not so sure, but you can imagine that. I know sometimes I act on other people's behalf and I don't feel like acting on their behalf. And just look straight ahead. Am I the only unspiritual one here? Okay, good. Right, so let's turn please to Mark. And let's just look, I don't want to take too long on this. In Mark, uh, Mark 9, verse 27 to 29. And this is the story of the two blind men who are following Jesus. And um, did I get that right? Sorry, Matthew. There you go. Good on you, Addy. That was me. My bad. Matthew. Matthew. Now just follow this. Check this. Matthew 9. 27 to 29 and uh, when Jesus went he done some miracles he went from there two blind men were following him crying out have mercy on us the son of David if you're blind and you're following someone you must have a certain degree of motivation that's moving you you think I'm, I, they must be believing something can, can you imagine the scene two blind men Wait, you go, I can hear him over there. No, he's over here. And then they're following Jesus around. They've got an element of something which is causing them to move, right? And so they're following him and they're, and they're crying, Son of David, have mercy upon us. The next verse, he goes into a house. When he entered the house, blind men came up to him. They've been crying this and they've, coming, they've come up to him. And he says to them, do you believe? What are your beliefs? What is your belief about this? Now, if they're going to get healed, after if they do, you might have read the Bible, you might know the next verse, but let's just pretend you don't. You think it would be their persistence, wouldn't you? You think it really? They've just persisted. They've been out there all day. Surely they've earned a healing. Surely they've earned it. You know, they've made themselves full. He's watched them walking around. Ah, oh, you've made yourselves full enough. I'm going to heal you. Yeah? But he doesn't ask them, you know, like how hard have you tried? 
he's saying, how do you how do you feel about that? Right? How do you how are you feeling right now? Do you think do you think God's going to move? Yeah, how do you feel? He asks them specifically, what is it that you believe? Do you believe I can do this? And they said, they said yes, yes, Lord, we do. And then I love this. Got a sense of power. Let's move back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord, we do. And then he said to them, Say, let it be done to you according to your faith. Surely Jesus is saying that what you believe is your faith. Now, if you anything like me, you know that very often how you're feeling is very different to what you believe. You know it. That tells me what you feel is not a good judge of your faith. Very often it will lie to you. The chances are it will deceive you. But I know, and you know, as well as I do, that when we pray, our natural inclination is to go on how we feel. If we feel good about it, we think God's going to move on our behalf. Folks, sports fans, it's got nothing to do with it. He never asked them, how do you feel? He said, what do you believe? What is it that you believe? Because the righteous shall find life through faith. And so believing Jesus could opened, allowed the power of God to move on them, and they were healed. This is huge. Yeah. I think we need to be a little bit more excited. Because there's a whole bunch of promises, a whole bunch of things God's done to us, that we've been led around by our emotions and feelings and sense of righteousness, and we haven't asked ourselves, what is it that I believe about this? Because what I believe is my faith. And if I'm persuaded, if I'm fully persuaded, if I believe it to be true, if I've got a firm conviction, it doesn't matter what I feel. Jesus didn't say, how does it look like? What does it look like? How does it feel being blind for 30 years? How do you feel about the relationships you've been having? We need to go through some emotional healing on this. And all those things might be wonderful, but you're not going to get from God life through those things. Because the righteous will live by faith. The grace of God stacked up for us is accessed from faith, leading to faith, leading to faith. We believe for one thing, we believe for the next thing. Let's see what the Apostle Paul said. Would you like to see? Have you, have you ever wondered, I wonder if Paul thought the same things about faith that Jesus said. I mean, really, if Jesus believed it and Paul believed it, then maybe we should. What do you think? Yeah. I, I really need a little bit more conviction because faith is a firm conviction. Yeah. It's a firm. So Jesus said it. Paul, we'll turn to Romans 4 and we'll see what Paul thought that faith was. And I'm right out of time. I'm going to wrap this up. I have a story I want to tell you after this. In, in 
in Romans 4, which talks about Abraham, and then it says this, Romans 4, uh, verse 4, it says, uh, Now to the one who works, um, his wages don't count as a gift, so they're not grace, they're what's due. But to one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as righteousness. So he's saying your faith is going to be credited to you as righteousness. And then he goes on to describe uh, to describe um, to describe Abraham. He talks about Abraham. Where it says, uh, I'm going to read it all because I'm going to jump around. So the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David speaks the blessing to the one of whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing only then for the circumcised? Uh, for we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but it was before he received the sign of circumcision. Am I looking at the wrong translation? There's a believed in here. For Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. Oh yeah, sorry. My apologies. Verse 3. Thank you for bearing with me. Verse 3 says, What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Right? And then it goes on to talk about Abraham's faith. So Abraham's faith was what he believed. Yep. And you can go through, we'll talk about Romans 10 in a minute. If we want to find out if we have faith for something, we must ask ourselves, what is it that we believe? Now, some years ago, a few years ago now, a lady uh, walked into our church and she was, they'd been a couple times before, but she walked like a, um, um, trying to think of the name of the disease but it's a it's it's a disease that really she was walking as if um, it wasn't pretty in fact she needed a husband by her hand to stabilize it she walked like this as she's coming in she had very little controls over her limb and then after the service I went up and, uh, and they were very open about it they, they, I said, you know, how are you doing? What is it? You know? And she said, I, I believe God. I believe God. I believe it's God's will to heal me. I believe he wants me well. She said. Um, I said, well, what's, what's the problem? She said, when I was a child, I uh, used to eat, chew the lead, the, the paint around the bottom of my room, and my toys had lead, had lead on them. She said, and, and eventually the lead got into my blood, and then a number of years ago, the lead crossed over from my blood into the into my brain through the blood-brain barrier. So she said, I've got blood poisoning. She said, the doctors say, once you've got lead in your blood, some medical people here, there's no way that you're going to get it out. 
And she said, but you know, I believe God can heal me. Well, believing God can heal you is different to receiving healing. That's one belief. And I, we rush to pray too often. We really rush to pray too often. We don't realize, uh, can you give me a couple more minutes, Pastor Chloe? Just, yeah. We don't realize, we, we, have, we see these wonderful healing ministries and, and uh, you know, during the 1950s, 48 to 90, about 90, late 1950s, there was a huge healing revival that went through the United States and uh, people would get amazingly just get healed. They, they say it, there's just miracles popping everywhere. What they don't show you, what they don't tell you is that most of those healing evangelists had healing classes before the crusade. And they would have to go for many hours, some of them 10 sessions where they went through, God wants me well, healing is in the atonement, how to receive by faith. And they go through that and then they give them a ticket. And so they wouldn't come forward to be prayed until they had this ticket. Uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, who is father of the faith to Linda and me, who we trained under, and a marvelous healing ministry, but he said, what people don't realize is that I would wait weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, months before I'd pray for someone. I'd go and sit with them and go through the scriptures. And I'd like to find out what they believe before. Because who knows what happens when you pray and you see nothing and you've got no foundation on it. How hard is it to pray the next time? Well, so we were, we were uh, I said to Linda that she needs us to, spend some time with her. So they invited us around for lunch and we were chatting for a couple of hours. Linda and I didn't feel, she, she believed healing was in the atonement. That's an expression to say that Jesus himself bore our iniquities, carried our diseases by stripes, we were healed. Isaiah 53, that means he, he paid the price for that the same way he did for our sin. Okay, so it, therefore it applies to everyone. He didn't forgive some people and not others. She said she believes all that, this, that. And we, we, we just looked at each other. We just knew there really wasn't faith there to receive at that stage. So, uh, um, And then she started talking about Paul's thorn and a few things and a few other issues that would just steal your faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so we went to pray and said, well, let's talk more about it. Right? Let's, we'll come back another time. Talk. We've been there like a couple hours. So Linda prayed with her and her husband and I were there. And Linda prayed, she, she prayed, thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Thank you, Jesus died for us. And thank you that by his stripes, we were healed. And she stopped. She said, what? Sorry, what did you say? Linda said, that by his stripes, we were healed. She said, that, she said to her, that, that's not the scripture. This is the lady correcting Linda. You know, that's all right. That's all right. We can take that sort of sass sometimes. And, and uh, so Linda said, well, you're thinking of Isaiah 53, which was before the death and the resurrection. Yeah. Isaiah 53 says uh, that he will carry our infirmities and bear our diseases. Matthew 8 says when Jesus healed the sick, that this was to show that they carried their infirmities. But, but Peter, post-resurrection, said that by his stripes we were healed. Now, this is someone who believed the Bible. She was willing to believe the Bible. She just didn't have knowledge of what the Bible said. You can't believe for God for something that you don't know what he wants for you. That's presumption. And so she said, do you mean it says were? Like I was? I said, well, you were forgiven. 
and you receive forgiveness. And she said, so, so you mean that, that, that the power to heal me was released on the cross, that he bore that, that I was healed. Now this seems wacky. We'll talk more about faith, but remember, the Bible says to have faith like God has faith. Is it not God, Romans 4, who calls those things which be not as though they are, and calls into being those things that don't exist? And you don't go around acting like a lunatic, but if you believe that you have something, just between you, me, and God, and your closest friends, you got it. So she said, I can see it now. I can see it. So we prayed with her. Thank you. And she said, my stripes, I am healed. We saw her the next few weeks, week on, week off, and, and no, no change. No change. She said, but that's all right. I know by stripes I am healed. I know it. I'm fully convinced. I believe it. And then she changed her diet a few, but she was always into that and all that sort of stuff. We're talking about lead, lead poisoning. And then you were at the meeting. She came to this about six weeks later. We're having a Bible study. She comes in and this big smile on her face. Big smile on her face. And she says, um, everybody's sharing their little testimonies, you know. Everybody got a little testimony. God bless me. You know, I got a new pair of shoes this week. And God bless me. I had a good sleep. God bless me. And she said, oh, God bless me this week. I went to the doctor. And I got my test back. I had blood tests. We said, oh, well, and you could tell she had that smug, you know that smug look you got when, the, when the, the fight's already, you know the fight's won, you don't have to fight your emotions anymore, you don't have to, you just fight, you know, she just had this smug look on her face. And I said to her, well, what did the test say? She said, well, the doctor opened them, he said, there's no lead in your blood. Oh. <laughs> and we're all, we were there, there was about a dozen of us there, I don't know if Soro was there. I said, what did the doctor say? He said, the doctor said, this just does not happen. This cannot happen. And then we kept in touch with her for quite a few months to maintain the healing. Faith is what you believe. Faith is what you believe. Don't pretend. You might have to go and get some faith. Now, faith for salvation is no different. Remember in Romans 10, it says, if you believe in your heart, that Jesus rose from the dead. Confess with your mouth, put it into action, that's what faith does. You shall be saved. And I don't know if you if you believe today that Jesus rose from the rose from the dead. For you, you're at that first step of salvation. You're at that first step. And you can receive eternal life right now for eternity. And it's done. It's finished. Faith for salvation. Put your hand up if you have faith for salvation, that you believe Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. You have faith for salvation. It doesn't matter how you feel tomorrow. Confess with your mouth. You're saved. Well, we're going to pray that prayer in case there's anyone here that never has. So bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, you pray it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus died for my sins and he rose from the dead. I have faith that my sins are forgiven and I'm a new creation and I confess him as Lord in Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. Praise God.